This is Dennis Nessler, Editor-in-Chief of Lodging Magazine. Welcome to our roundtable today, Prioritizing Profitability. We have a number of leading owner-operators uh, with us today to discuss some of the things that are going on with regards to operating costs and, and profitability in general. Um, we have Jason Reeder, EVP Operations for Remington Hotels. We have Steve Bata, EVP, EVP Operations for Highgate Hotels. Simon Mendy, Divisional President, Select Service for Ambridge Hospitality. Kerry Ranson, President, Operations for Reigns. Richard Jones, COO, Hospitality Ventures Management Group. And Martin Schellenberg, VP Enterprise Sales for Integra. Um, let's get rolling, guys, with, with the discussion. Um, wanted to talk a little bit about rate and how that's driving profitability right now. The industry has done pretty well with regard to rate um, for the last 18 to 24 months. Uh, what are some of your strategies and, and how is that playing into to the whole um, profitability equation. Uh, Jason, you want to start? Yeah, so we, we've seen a lot of success with driving rate. I think before all of this, I think we were all probably a little more hesitant to take too much of a lead in the market with rate just because you would, didn't want to get out too far in front of it. But I think we were all a lot more aggressive with how we positioned that, particularly in our resort side. We just saw just unbelievable demand in places like the Keys and things like that. So we were really, really able to drive rate uh, to a pretty hard degree. Yeah, Simon, any thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I would agree with that. But I think one of the things that we pay attention to when there is demand is a natural flex for the revenue management team to actually push rate. And we use a lot of intelligence and machine learning that takes care of that. But I think where it gets critical is where there's a slowdown, let's say the Easter week, right? where there is the temptation to drop rate to buy demand, that is where you really got to be very strategic to make sure that the team is not falling into that trap. Because when they do, you actually sacrifice repertoire and you sacrifice profitability. So we're being very cautious about how we approach it and being very also critical about our mix because the mix is important. As you operate varying levels, types of brands or verticals, you have to be conscious about the differentiation. Make sure you have the right guest in the right hotel and that your pricing strategy does that for you and yeah, I, profitability for your owners. I, I agree with that, Simon. I mean, I don't think that lowering rate necessarily turns into, you know, more occupancy. I mean, it, it can, but I think that, you know, holding rate based on the product and the brand and the services for that hotel is extremely important. Um, you know, if, if you start chasing to the bottom, um, you know, nothing good comes out of that. So, you know, we have hotels that have invested after COVID of reopening with certain levels, uh, different levels of food and beverage experience, whether it's room service and so forth that, you know, that experience deserves to have a, a rate to support that. Um, so, you know, holding rate is, uh, is, is definitely part of our strategy. Yeah. One thing we would just add, and I meant to say this before, is I think the other kind of challenge, at least initially, was in a lot of markets, these rates were above any former high. So there was kind of a reluctance at first, like, wait, well, we never, we've never had rates that high. This is from the revenue management side. Well, we've never had wages that high. We've never had costs that high. So part of that was breaking through that kind of, that kind of belief of, well, wait a minute, this, this market can't sustain that rate. It was really being bullish to say, well, we're in unprecedented times, which means we do things differently. You can't just go by what we've done before. Right. The ceiling has kind of been raised. You know, people are, are, you know, the, the customers are expecting it. It's it's everywhere, you know, right now. And I think that, you know, 
much along the lines of what you guys just said, we've kind of adopted the rate rate strategy as part of the overall profitability equation. Everything else is going up. You know, if we're going to achieve our bottom line goals, we've got to optimize that mix. We've got to be disciplined. We've got to we've got to push the envelope in, in terms of rate and, and rate growth. And we're targeting over 50 percent of our rev bar growth right now across the portfolio is rate driven growth. And, you know, we've got a pretty diverse portfolio. We've got resorts and we've got suburban select service hotels and, and everything in between. So we've got, you know, a Every, every street corner has got its own thing, but, you know, but at the end of the day, the rate expenses are growing and, and the, the headwinds that we have against us on every level of the P&L, you know, you've got to drive rate as a profit strategy. Yeah, I think the Simon's point around you know, understanding the critical mix um, has become important. You know, we all have had rate opportunities and have continued to drive them. I think as you're settling in now, I think the importance of that mix understanding weekday versus weekend, what may have previously been a weekday thought of day, for instance, a Thursday is now really a shoulder date on what becomes a uh, leisure to where you see folks staying over on potentially a Thursday and a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or for Thursday, Friday, Saturday becomes a weekend now. Um, and so pricing that differently as well as your room type type mix that you're, you're pricing and understanding where it'll have opportunity from a demand perspective regarding those different room types uh, has also been played important to this as, as you, you're going through it. And then, and then the packaging component has, I think, also allowed us to do some different things. I think we've had a few of us talk about, you know, where we are now regarding food offerings and things like that. And I think as you've if we've continued to come through this thing, I think those packaging pieces allows even more opportunities for us to add in the consumer's mind value while still driving the rate. Because um, I think for most of us, the rate piece is where we're all seeing our revenue growth at this point. Yeah. Anybody else want to comment on the Blazer trend and and what that's uh, what that's what the impact has been? Oh, it's been. I think realizing that there's a still the persist persistence of uh, work from home, people are taking advantage of that. Uh, they are actually working and then they're traveling to continue that experience through the weekend or extended uh, time in that city they're in because of the flexibility of being anywhere and being able to do their work. So that has continued to be a driver in our ability to drive demand and also continuous continuum in the rate uh, harvesting opportunity we have. So I think that's a reality. But I think also too, there's a piece on it that is important for us to talk about is really when we talk about a mind shift philosophy where we are in the third party business, most of us, and some owners are very keen on seeing that 100% sold out. And because of that, there's an affinity to just pursue being sold out and you may end up sacrificing rate. It is okay to be 90 and still be $5, $15 in a time because yeah. you to the bank richer. Right. And I think that philosophy, that mindset takes a lot of people time to absorb it. And you almost have to be in that paradigm of convincing people and showing them the difference between the two and what that means in efficiency at the property level, the back of the house team, the operations team just creates that flexibility that they have lesser rooms to turn 
and yet they're much more better in profitability and going to the bank. So those are all things that you have to marry together. But to Kerry's point, uh, the Belizea continues to be a big driver. And that, that's been the case even more since we got out of COVID. Yep. I would I would add, I think that, you know, the Belizea component, I, I almost think it's the new business transient. You know, before, if you think about it, BT was your bread and butter. Tuesdays, Wednesdays, you didn't have to worry about it. It was the other parts of the week. And now it's almost reversed itself. Not that there's no BT, but I think when we look at why we've been able to recover the way we have, I would argue that leisure component has been a huge piece of replacing the BT business that hasn't quite come back. Yeah. And you got Sunday nights now, right? I mean, Sunday night used exactly. to be a nothing, right? Yeah. And Thursday nights. Like, like you said, that Thursday to Sunday now, it's kind of it's kind of an odd thing. But that used to be, you struggled, right? It was like, if a group wanted to come in and stay on Sunday night, the answer was yes. You didn't need to hear what the rate was. Now, like, wait right. a minute, let's talk about this. <laughs> and if we could all figure out a, Sundays back then. Yeah, yeah. It's more of a natural blend. It's, it used to be, you know, the, the, all the suits left on Thursday and then all, of, all, the, all the bags came in on Friday. You know, now it's, it's much more of a blend. And, and you're also seeing that double, double occupancy because they're bringing their spouses and significant others with them. Um, you know, you're, you're seeing much more spend per occupied room. Uh, because of that. So, uh, uh, you know, the, the hotels also had to change their mindset as well as making sure that they're getting what they actually are coming for, which is that work-life balance and being able to experience like in New York City, be able to experience things in, in smaller bites than coming for a whole week and experiencing everything at once. Um, you know, it's these quick hit three-day weekends um, that we're seeing more of. So the, yeah. Like Terry said, the packaging and how you're packaging food and beverage um, is, is, is very important there. Sure. Sure. Um, I want to switch gears a little bit to uh, supply chain. Uh, huge, huge issue for, for the last uh, few years, uh, bottlenecks and, and things of that nature, uh, not being able to get product, uh, you know, in a timely manner. Uh, Martin, what are you seeing in terms of supply chain? Has, has have things in, improved in the last uh, 12 months or so? What, what's your take on that? Yeah, good question. Uh, I mean, the last 12 months have been been rough, and you know, I think uh, we'll see some more of that moving forward. But uh, you know, I mean, disruptions happen everywhere. I mean, transportation, logistics, manufacturing. You know, you you add on top of that, you know, shortages in raw materials. You know, the labor costs that we already talked about. So, you know, have we seen the end of this impact? You know, probably not. Uh, there will be some more of this. Are we slowly coming out of it? Yes. I mean, we do see you know delivery timelines. Uh, getting shorter, we see supply opening back up, uh, and, and that is for the U.S. and internationally as well. So, you know, I think we're on the path of recovery, but, you know, we probably still have uh, a few months, maybe a year, year and a half ahead of us with with complications. You know, we just have to be honest with each other. Mm -hmm. Any other thoughts on the supply chain? Any any experience yeah, from you guys? Yeah, I'm going to turn it like 90 degrees, Dennis. I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit more about supply chain as it relates to uh, CapEx spend, renovations, um, you know, going into COVID and it hit us by surprise. You know, we had a lot of hotels that were earmarked to start having their renovations in 2020-21. Um, but with the supply chain, you know, the way it was, costs going up 30%. I mean, if you're going to do a $50 million room renovation and costs go up 30%, you're going to second guess whether or not you're going to wait that out or not. And, you know, we had some we had some ownership that were further down the down the pike that ended up moving forward with that. Um, and then we had some that have continued to keep punting on those on those 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 renovations or those you know fitness center renovation full renovation. But um, you know what we're seeing right now is you know went from 30%. I think we're seeing it coming a little bit you know maybe five or 10%. Uh, 
uh, above what it used to be. And, and, and I'm hoping that by the end of this year, you know, those, those will flatten out a little bit more because we definitely have a backlog of hotels that are going to be renovating in, uh, in, in the next two, three years. Yeah, this is kind of a mixed bag, I think. It's a little bit of, I think some items have gotten a lot better where you're seeing it, it's not nearly as bad as it was. But then there's other things where it's like, it was just the other day, I was looking at a CapEx, I can't remember what the item was, but I was like, yeah, we can get that for you in October. I'm like October, yeah. it's, it's, it was April at the time. You know? And before yeah. you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have been like, no way, I'm ordering somewhere else now. It's like, well, that might be yeah. my best option. You know, it's kind right. of crazy. We're competing against each other for mattresses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, and that's the problem. Things. <laughs> you know, the, the lead times, the lead times are more of the issue these days, often more so than, than the pricing, you know, the pricing's, you know, somewhat, you know, moderated or, you know, we're just now kind of accepting, you know, kind of getting used to it and building it into, building it into the assumptions, but lead time has been one of our biggest challenges to be able to kind of, you know, keep renovations moving, you know, specifically yeah. to kind of keep all the pieces coming in in sequence and, you know, be able to stay on track and then the knock on effect of, you know, one, one critical element gets, gets delayed and, you know, you know, holds up, holds up the rest of the show is, has been uh, a really big challenge, but uh, starting to see signs of it getting better, you know, but I, I agree with what Martin said. I think it you know, certainly looks like it's going to be another 12 to 18 months. There's yeah. just so much volume out there. There is so much demand and, you know, people are getting back to, to spending the money and, and, and reinvesting. So demand, the demand side of the equation is not going to really let up that much in my opinion. Yeah. That is aging. Staging becomes really tough right now. I mean, that's that's exactly right. It's, it's trying to plan the things accordingly. And as you sit there to say, okay, if I'm timing it out, uh, but the problem is one chain ends up having a delay on a particular product, yet that's what you need to finish off a room. You, you want to talk about disruption. I mean, disruptions from the standpoint of how we underwrote potentially a renovation or a conversion ends up completely going sideways. And, and that's really the tough piece of all this is, you know, it seems like it's getting better. And then out of nowhere, you get a particular product for whatever reason now has, you know, whether it's the demand that's been produced and can't keep up uh, or, or whatever, whatever reason you end up where it puts you back to, to something 10 months ago, we had no problems with. Now we are having a problem with and the staging. has just become a nightmare. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it doesn't help that. Look, we know there's increased demand in construction. There's increased demand in F&B. There's increased demand in supplies. We started off the conversation about rate, but then we talked about the demand from Malaysia, right? So there is demand, right? Occupancy is strong. So that doesn't help either. So I think for us in our life, in our day in Enbridge, we are focused on really planning. We are engaging ownership groups and the brand to make sure we are clear about what are the pips that are coming, the schedules, and really making sure that we are planning ahead and creating a very good plan against what we need to order in advance. So we're doing that based on adjacencies of properties. We're doing that based on adjacencies of our brands to make sure that we can place one order that covers several brands, uh, hotels that we have that are of similar uh, spec. So that is really helping us in this process. But planning is key. And our relationship too with our suppliers come into play. Wherein they know we got the volume. And because of that, we're trying to use that muscle to really make sure that we have priority in that, in that, in that, in that goal of reducing the lead time that Kelly talked about. But other than that, 
I think this is going to continue for a while uh, because I think the supply chain issue, the inflation impact, I mean, look at inflation. It's stabilized, but prices are not going down significantly as we would have expected. So I think that is going to continue to be a reality. That's why we came, we got to continue doing both. One being very aggressive on our ability to harvest ADR because that's critical to really helping us be profitable when we look at our business holistically. But two, continuing to really work on our relationship and price category and really making sure our negotiated pricing continues to be driven down to nothing in excess of the inflationary pressure. If you're able to have those two equilibriums, I think we're going to be in a great position uh, to get things right. Mm -hmm. I'd like to switch gears a little bit. We, we referenced earlier uh, rising wage costs. Obviously, that's an impact on everybody uh, here. Um, how are you guys managing that? How are you navigating around that? And, and what, are, what are some of the strategies that you guys are using? Steve, you want to jump in on that? Sure. Um, you know, staffing post-pandemic, I mean, it's been pretty rough. You know, a lot of people reimagine what they wanted to be in life. Uh, you know, they wanted to, you know, whether they want to relocate uh, you know, be a travel agent, get out of the business. I mean, we've saw a lot of that, especially with people who have like one to seven years worth of tenure. Um, and then you see a lot of people that, you know, it's the grass is always greener on the other side. So they're, you know, they're looking at other other uh, positions and companies to switch to as well. So, I mean, I think I think staff is is the most important. Um, you know, what we what we came out of the gate is, oh my God, we need to replace these positions. Um, and now it's more about, you know, you know, hire hard, training is easier instead of, you know, hiring easy, training is hard. So I, I, I think it's really important that you need to have all those conversations up front with, with the candidate, making sure they understand what the expectation is and then pull through on them on the other side. I mean, it's not a job, it's a career. Make sure that they have the supplies, tools and equipment, training, 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 uh, inspecting what you expect, you know, making sure that you have scoreboards that people know whether they're winning or losing and then recognizing people. I mean, it's, this is kind of like, you know, we, we've all done this and said it. I think today it's so critical um, at all levels to engage in a new employee and making sure that they, uh, that they feel like they're onboarded and they're, and they're part of the family. I think that's, that's the, the, the most difficult thing what keeps me up at night is, yeah. uh, is staffing. Yeah, that's, that's very much along the lines of kind of how we've approached it. I mean, the market, we, we cannot control the market. We're not the market maker, but, you know, we need to be right at the, at the right point in the market to be competitive. Mm -hmm. But what we're really focusing on is what does it take to drive retention and eliminate turnover and, you know, in conjunction and, you know, right there with it, reduce the dependence with uh, contract labor. And the turnover and retention piece is really, that's the most, that's what we have the most control over. And I think that's, that's really where we're spending a lot of our time and our, our resources to be able to, uh, you know, to, to get that right. And all of those things that you just said about treating, you know, giving them the proper introduction to the job, the, the proper career path and giving them the future opportunities that, uh, you know, that this industry provides because, there's no other there's no other industry like the hotel industry where, you know, I'm sure we all have a very similar story. We started working at a front desk, we started working in a restaurant, and you know, here we are, you know, doing this today. And I think, you know, show me any any other any other entry level positions where, you know, you can have that much opportunity and that much real world, you know, example, you know, of it. So that's that's really what we're dialed into. And I think that uh, you know, we've gone into the year knowing that, you know, we lost all those folks and you're bringing people in, they may have never worked in a hotel. So it is all about the training, training, training. And, 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 you know, that, that costs a lot of money. And, you know, we've really kind of dialed in our expense expectations and productivity expectations in other areas so that we can 
put more into that, knowing that those key line level positions and those, those F and B and those sales roles that went away for 18 months are just, you know, now kind of ramping back in in many places, get the get the proper attention and the proper support that they deserve. Yeah, if I had to be yeah. an optimist by nature, which I typically am, you know, the wages, it was a crazy growth. But the truth is our industry was behind in wages to other industries before COVID happened. I mean, when you look at things like Amazon, I remember having an interesting fact when I went to visit a hotel and I noticed the McDonald's sign was hiring. Their starting wages more than what we were paying our front desk. We're like, that's yeah. not good. Right. So I think something was going to have to give. The, the issue was going to be the owner wasn't going to approve that during normal times. You know, he couldn't have said, Hey, I got to go from, you know, $7 an hour to 10, you know, what are you talking about? That's almost a 50% increase. Right. But I think this did allow us to level set, but I agree with what everyone said. I think what we try to focus on the most is the retention piece and the onboarding piece. Cause when you're talking about recruiting and hiring, if you're not retaining the talent that you're getting, it's just a, a constant cycle. So you, I think it's really, really important to focus on that. I think the other thing that we've done, I'm sure all of you have done it too, is it's no longer necessarily about hiring someone who has all the experience in the world. You're hiring sometimes for personality. You're hiring for what you think that, you know, they say they want to be in this business and now it's our job to train them because the reality is a lot of people did leave and we all have to be stewards now of this industry and bring new people in and, and kind of show them the ropes. So I think it's a combination of all those things. I will say, I think staffing has improved. If I looked at where we were a year and a half, two years ago, while it's, there's still challenges, it has improved from where it was, you know, post-COVID. Martin, did you want to weigh in? Yeah, I was going to say, uh, one thing that's very uh, interesting is, you know, the kind of requests we see coming through and how, you know, other industries are starting to bleed into uh, lodging, specifically healthcare and restaurants, where we see, you know, robotics coming in, you know, for all kinds of different services. You know, we do see, uh, you know, I mean, on the non-food side, you know, for, you know, simple concierge services to cleaning solutions on the food side, you know, you have... Um, you know, the, the merry chef, the turbo chefs that are supposed to, you know, augment, you know, some of the staffing you already have, uh, you know, you see automatic frying solutions, automatic coffee solutions. I mean, there's all kinds of, uh, you know, think tanks that are thinking through what can we do to release some of that labor pressure. Uh, there's some really cool solutions out there, you know, they're already being applied in, you know, various other segments and slowly but surely they're making their way into hospital, into lodging as well. Um, all that said, you know, it, it just really needs to augment the, um, the your service model. And, you know, I, I could not uh, agree with all of you more that, you know, the most important resource you have on your hands are your people. You know, they're going to be the ones that get you through these tough times and they're the ones that are going to make or break your businesses. So, uh, you know, training is vital and uh, making sure you train through the right resources with the right partners um, is, is a thing that we've been uh, very focused on. And, um, yeah, it's of utmost importance. Yeah. I mean, I, look, I think it, that everybody's saying, you know, a lot of the same things on our, on our end. And I think, you know, with Reigns, we've invested on the human capital side and probably went a bit deeper into the HR, as we call it, people and culture component, where you've got folks that are, you know, assigned from a training perspective from the get-go on a hire where we're, you know, we're really stinging from the from the mountaintops from a culture perspective and what that brings and then recognizing as well because uh, you know I, I think uh steve had said it where look we're not the market's driving itself right now from a rate perspective but what can you do that once you get them beyond the culture and the training uh in meeting their lifestyle needs currently and you know that's you know shift 
preferential where we're allowing them perhaps three days a week or two days a week where they're only yeah. wanting to work four or five days a week yeah. and getting away from these set seven and eight hour shifts, you know, and yes, it's harder to, to schedule, mm -hmm. but some of the technology that is out there that is helping us now get to a component that makes scheduling a lot easier through, mm -hmm. you know, some BI components that are out there um, and, and available to us that weren't before. Um, I think those have been some important pieces for us to try and retain and understanding, look, these team members that are coming to us now, the ones that want to be here, if they're going to be there for three or four hours a day, two days a week, they're wanting to be there because mm -hmm. trust me, the rest of them are sitting at home doing nothing. And so we might as well use that to our advantage and train them to do different roles as well. The, the old things we used to talk about on cross training and things is really starting to rear its head as well uh, for us yeah. in, in those roles. Um, so I think that's been for us the same. Yeah, we believe within those lines, I think we believe attracting training and developing top talent reduces turnover and cost. And I think part of our pillars we've created to help with that process is just creating a service-based culture that really drives the belief that, you know, people want to find a place to grow, succeed, and belong. And one of the things that we're doing in addition to what my colleagues shared is we are really focused on skilled leadership development and skill, leadership skill. And one of the things that is helping with that is through the Castell program, through the Advent Harvard University program, uh, through our some of the programs we have in developing our teams, even using the AHLA, we've been able to create a pathway, growth pathway for some of our leaders, general managers, line associates, that they know their career path and they also know that they can really grow in the organization. That creates stability. Stability in knowing that I would get somewhere as I continue my growth trajectory. And I think being able to create that stability, I think is very important to our business. Otherwise, cost is gonna to continue to skyrocket. Uh, you no longer have to talk, think about supply chain, but you have to think about the human part. And that's the biggest cost. Most of our hotels that we run, payroll is the biggest expense. So I think if there's anything to focus on is payroll. And those costs are not changing anytime soon. Last thing I remember, when wages go up, they barely go down. So when you hire people at 15, come December next year, you don't come and say, well, now I've got to have to pay you 12 That really happens, right? It sticks. It sticks. So it's critical for us to really make sure we drive it cost through the talent piece. Right. Steve, did you want to weigh in? It looked like you wanted to... Well, I mean, I agree again, you know, this is uh, kind of gone full circle, but, you know, one of the things that we were doing at Highgate is where we have, we always have a task force team with the reopenings and so forth. And what we're doing with the task force team is we're actually converting them into training teams. So, you know, a, a seasoned director of finance is now no longer maybe attached to one hotel. They'll have a sister hotel that needs to go over there and onboard them. I think it's, you're looking at things differently today. Like Kerry said, the four hour shift, the, the, the two days work from home. I mean, things that you would never even think about pre-coronavirus, pre I think is, is, is all in play now. And uh, you know, that, that balance of quality of life is truly extremely important to, to, to our team members and, and we, need to, we need to change with it. Mm -hmm. Let's switch gears a little bit and talk about scale. Uh, we've got, all you guys have, have 
numbers of properties, large numbers of properties, some from, from Ambridge, uh, almost, you know, 16, 1700, I, uh, forgive me for the numbers off, uh, Simon, but, um, a lot of, a lot of properties and a lot of efficiencies to, to be gained there. What, what does that do for you guys, uh, from a procurement perspective, uh, in terms of, of being able to leverage that? Anyone want to weigh in? Simon? Think scale comes advantages, right? And those advantages are expected from our team internally and our, our community of owners to be able to really leverage it. And I think what we are doing is we are very focused on our partnerships and expanding our partnership base so that we have more access to supplies. Then we talk about creating category management. And then next thing is pricing. And we are very focused on that. One, being able to establish those foundations, right? That those exist. And we have that available as a resource to our hotels. And then also making sure that we educate our team to make sure they're ordering within the categories and then the right pricing, right? Because the right product. Because when we do that, that's when you really now start to see your scale and your, your procurement capabilities all translating into product uh, profitability. Because you could have all of that together and if the manager doesn't really uh, commit to making sure that they're compliant on ordering the right product and the right category, I think everything will be off. So we're very keen on that. And I think we're also making sure that we're continually going back and reviewing our contracts and agreement to drive down cost. There are opportunities here and there from one switch from one product type to another, from one type of bacon to another makes all the difference, right? So where there is flexibility, we're making sure that we're taking advantage of that. Any new news in product, we are still looking at it and peeling the onion. So having a dedicated team that is focused on really pursuing opportunities in relationships and also looking at product categories that we can take advantage of, I think is key to our success. And that's been a big factor for why we have had a good advantage uh, against anyone else. I think um, we're not big like Simon. We don't have that many hotels out there, but I think to a scale perspective, you know, when you start looking at groups like everyone on, on, on our panel today, you, it, the scale piece does allow from the standpoint of us providing you know, cost efficiencies throughout a P&L to also include below the P, below the bottom line to where you're touching things because of your volume around, the, you know, property insurance or property tax ability of being able to negotiate and appeal those type of things. But I think, you know, Simon hit it too. That purchasing platform is vital for us because one, it allows us from a market basket perspective to take regional particular vendors that may be cost efficient in particular regions where we have assets um, and we're servicing those assets, but then also making sure as you're getting these assets and you're managing these assets that the, the property managers are pushed through a purchasing portal that we are then feeding these, these you know, procured rates and, and the, the vendors at a particular rate of which we've negotiated on their behalf and ensuring that that consistencies across the board for us to where we don't pick up one day and start wondering, well, how the heck did our breakfast costs go up by this much? Uh, when, you're part, when you're pushing through these purchasing platforms like that, where we're able to, like this particular group, 
it makes all the difference in the world when you start looking at these financial statements across different brands and, and different markets as well. Um, but you know, I think that becomes, you know, with when it comes with volume, I, mean, I think it, you know, obviously offers its efficiencies throughout a PL. Yeah, same very similar story with us. You know, we're kind of just hitting that point where you know we're we're starting to realize we have a little more leverage, and you know, we're kind of you know targeting where and how to apply it. And I think uh, one of the things we did last year was we've really we fully automated the procure to pay process, so that you know we've got the ability to have input and influence and give general managers and individual you know properties you know a, a reasonable level of of uh, you know, autonomy and and, and decision-making to, to kind of do what's best for their customers and do what's best in their particular market. But we've got better insights and better intelligence now into, you know, what are we buying? How much of it? What are we paying for it? What are the options? And, you know, with, you know, not, not just on the, on the front end in terms of what the product availability is and setting up the purchasing guides and all of that, but, you know, really being able to get very precise to, where the volume is, what specific products, and then you know use that to start making some decisions. So we're we're in the early days of that, but you know it's kind of part of our broader business intelligence strategy to, to really kind of drill down into those key drivers of performance. And uh, we think that's that's going to be a, a, a real opportunity for us in the near in the near term. You know, if I, if I may, you know, I, I really love the uh, love that focus because I you know being in the world of volume purchasing. Um, I think, you know, having the volume is one thing, but, uh, you know, putting it to action is, is a whole nother story. And, you know, it is vital to, in today's day and age, leverage the right technology to, uh, you know, to enable your teams. Um, because you can have, you know, billions of dollars of uh, volume if you don't really funnel them through the right relationships, through the right partners, through the right contracts. Uh, then, you know, your volume might not be as helpful as you think it is. And, uh, and Carrie, uh, you know, uh, to your point of, you know, there's uh, extremely large players out in the field and then, you know, there might be some medium sized ones uh, that might not get the full advantage uh, of, of the scale of the large players. Um, you know, I think at the end of the day, you know, if you align yourself with, uh, with an organization uh, that can pool some of that volume for you, uh, you can get some of it, I'm not saying you're, you're going to get the same exact value, but, you know, I think to me, at the end of the day, what it all comes down to is working with the right partners. And that's, you know, extremely important for us as a group purchasing organization when we, you know, decide what are we going to do with all this volume? Like what, what kind of contracts are we going to drive it through? And then, you know, again, supporting it with uh, the right technology is key. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're getting short on time. So um, I just want to kind of get some closing thoughts from you guys just on, on, on the business in general and, and where you see things uh, for the rest of 23 and going into 24, lots of uh, economic headwinds, as we all know, uh, you know, mild recession, maybe um, inflation, et cetera, but uh, fundamentals remain pretty, pretty solid on the, on the hotel side. So um, anything related to profitability or, or performance, uh, just some final thoughts on kind of what you see ahead, Jason, you want to start? Yeah, I, I already kind of gave it away. I'm an optimist, but I think, you know, despite everything and kind of the economic headwinds you just mentioned, I really do think that long-term COVID is going to be a positive to our industry. And the reason I think that is you go back to like the Great Depression, right? That there were generations of people that were very, very tight with money because they went through that period of time that, that impacted them for the rest of their lives. I think what could happen with this is that people now are not going to wait to travel. And I think we've seen that. 
So instead of saying, yeah, we'll do that next year, I think people are now saying, no, we don't know what next year can bring. There could be like, like what happened for two years, right? Where you really couldn't travel, or didn't have that ability. So what, what I'm excited about, I, I love this business. I'm sure we all do. Just like what I think you referenced earlier, I started a dishwasher in a restaurant, right? What other business can you have where you can move up and do all these different things? But I do think the mindset of the traveler is different now and in, in, in that instead of doing one vacation, maybe now let's, let's do a couple, let's, let's put that together. So I think for me, what I look at is even though we've got these economic headwinds, this may be one of the first times we see a recession, but our industry is still stabilized. Whereas typically when a recession comes, our business goes down. Uh, this could be, this could be different now. And I think there's, like I said, a lot of positives to look for, forward to in, in our business. Mm -hmm. Steve. Yeah, I, I mean, I absolutely agree with Jason. I mean, everything that you read in the paper, you watch in the news, looks like things are going to be terrible. But yet, we do not see that in pace. We do not see that in our, in our, in our futures. Um, you know, we're we're bullish and optimistic that this is going to continue to continue to keep moving forward and up. Um, you know, we're looking forward to 2024. We think that that is going to be you know a breakout year. Um, and, you know, we're seeing great, great pushes right now with group coming back. I mean, we definitely see the international client back and, um, you know, we see, you know, maybe not the big conferences and the huge, huge events yet, but those normally take, you know, 24 months to bake and plan and, and, and so forth. So um, we're, we're bullish. We feel really good about the future of the industry. Yeah. Carrie. Well, Steve's taking all my good lines. Um, <laughs> I, it, it is, you know, we got headwinds out there, but our pacing and everything looks good and tells a different story. I, th I think for us, we've kind of stayed maybe stubborn and steadfast, recognizing that, you know, I, I think we got to poise ourselves for what is kind of a long-term performance play. And for us, some of that is, you know, our, our motto has been around taking it to the streets um, where, you know, we're using the, the theme to recognize our ability to try and be a place people want to work in our particular markets. I mean, we're, we're somewhat regionally focused in our assets. And it's also from the standpoint of a sales aspect and recognizing where some of these sales and all are coming in and the opportunities, whether that's from a Smurf perspective or getting back into a lot of our L&R groups and things that are out there selling things. And you know, I think that for us has been a, a positive and, and a win forward as we try to poise ourselves is, look, let, let's get back in our markets and know them intimately and being present in them intimately has kind of been our focus as we kind of try to figure our way through this thing. Mm -hmm. Great. Richard. Uh, you know, we'll reinforce a lot of what, you, you know, what was just said. Our, our pace is strong. Our, our optimism is high. I think the fundamentals, you know, look, look strong as far as, you know, you can reasonably see into the future. I think that, uh, you know, the, the, the mindset shift and the, the cultural shift of, of, of the desire to travel and the, the intent to travel and actually, you know, and actually, you know, doing it, you, you see it every day. And I think that that is just kind of a, it's like, you know, it's a, it's, the, it's a human need. It's a, it's a right and it's going to continue. I think we'll we'll hit some headwinds here and there, but I, I think hopefully, I think you know when you bring it back to the whole concept and the, the focus here around profitability, the you know I think everybody's realizing the same thing that we've realized a new level of rate performance and we've learned things about what the customer is really willing to pay and 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 hopefully have broken have broken our historical mindset of being a commodity product and pricing in a commoditized you know way to you know be able to 
realize that it's about the experience, you know, number one, and, you know, we've got to continue to build on that. We haven't been doing the best job around executing on the, on the experience side of things throughout all of this and it's getting better and that will get better with the talent improving and the training and the cultural stuff that we all spoke about. But I think, you know, longer term from a business, from a business fundamentals point of view, you know, I think, you know, hopefully we have reached a new, a new paradigm and a new normal where, you know, rate and, you know, achieving a certain level of rate is a key element of a profitability strategy. And that, you know, as, as operators, we recognize the fact that, you know, we, we, we've got to, we've got to, we've, we've gotten to this point, the way we, we fought hard to get here. And, you know, I think the best, the best thing we can all do is, is hold on to that and not give any of that ground back up because there will be some challenges. There will be some pockets of, there will either be too many, uh, some new hotels are going to start to reopen and there's going to be a supply story or there will, there could be, you know, some softening of demand. But I think as long as we're, we continue to be disciplined around the pricing and, and the rate piece, you know, we can make the bottom line expectations and, you know, we can, we can deliver for our owners. Simon, a minute or less, what, what, what do you say? Yeah, I think uh, this meeting today created we have accepted that this is the new normal because every other panel will talk about business travel, was right? Mm -hmm. I think that is key. And I think with COVID and what we've gone through, it made us a lot more nimble now going with what we have. And I think that's gonna be important. One of the changes that would happen going into 2024, as I look at things, the real advantage is gonna be that wage. And how do you continue now to grow ADR? How do you get from more from a customer rather than just what they've paid in ADR to get into? How do you get more from the customer? The package comes into play. All of the amenities that you can sell that customer max. Because at the end of the day, with high interest rates, we also have to realize owners are going to need that cash flow. And our ability to drive cost, ability to really flow and flex where necessary, I think is going to be critical. So when I look at the lens, I think that about who we bring into the business, but how do we get more from that customer and help grow cash flow? Great, great. Martin, you get the last word. All right. Well, we've come so far. Um, I really, you know, I, I agree with everything that's been said. You know, I, I also like to think of the glass as half full as opposed to half empty. We've seen tons of innovations, uh, you know, over the course of the, the past few months, past two years. We've seen a lot of great things, uh, you know, coming out of uh, what started off as, as a big catastrophe with uh, with COVID-19. I can see on a daily basis how volumes are picking up. So, you know, I have a very positive outlook for the future. And, uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, we're in, a, in an industry that's known for problem solving. Um, you know, together we're strong and uh, we'll, we'll make this happen. And I'm looking forward to, you know, coming out of this uh, on the other end with, uh, you know, some, some great or some more success stories. Great. I want to thank you all for sharing your insights today. Uh, it's been a very interesting session and I think our, our viewers are going to find this very uh, informative. So thanks for everybody for participating and uh, thank you for watching and uh, have a good day.